everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Left Page. I am Frank, your always online historian, writer, academic, extraordinaire. I do many things. So, welcome back. We're, we're in April. And I am here with <laughs> another kind of weird episode. But to be fair, most of the recent episodes have been slightly strange. Although they have been quite fun. Even including the February one, uh, the anniversary one. But uh, what what I'm going to do and what I've been thinking about doing for this episode, for this month. Because, well, next month and at least a couple ahead are going to be a few different collabs. Which, you know, it, it's the thing. They take a little while to set up, but then they come one after the other. So that's going to be great. I'm really, really looking forward to that. But in the meantime... Uh, you get good old me, hopefully. <laughs> You're not bored. Or no, hey. <laughs> so, what, I, what I've been thinking about and trying to do, because I, I've been doing a lot of, well, reading in terms of science fiction and utopias and utopianism and doing quite a bit of writing or planning of writing. Uh, it's been, I've been doing a lot of different things. So, nothing new under the sun. But... It was difficult to try and find something else to read in short notice because I've been reading a lot of different things which are kind of similar but in a sort of continuing vibe. And I have other stuff that I want to read and I will and will have more solo episodes like that. But it's just... It's been kind of chaos. So unless I... The other option was doing another episode on the Gwyn. And as much as I love her and her work, you know, we need some variation here. And in order to try and pull something slightly strange, I am not going to do like a, an, uh, this is going to be less focused on academic criticism because I've been talking a lot about that lately, especially on like the reading corner and the writer's desks. So if, if you're interested in more of that, there are a couple that are open and if you can and are interested in supporting patreon.com forward slash left page, I'll definitely appreciate it always. But enough self promo. I mean, it's the whole show. It's a part of the process. So what I want to try and do, as you can see by the title that at this point in time I still haven't figured out, I want to talk a bit about, like, not necessarily genre fiction, but genre in fiction, if that makes any sense. Because, and I've been speaking a lot about that in terms of, like, how sci-fi is perceived, how fantasy is perceived by sci-fi criticism, and so on and that kind of thing. I, in, in terms of that and, and fantasy, because I've been listening to it, I, I can't but recommend the Left Hand of Laguin podcast. I've mentioned it a bit on Twitter, but I really wanted to mention it again because it's it's a, it's a talking about Laguin and, and it's wonderful. And starting with Wizard of Earthsea, which I have yet to read, but it's, it's talking about her fantasy first, which I think is crucial and really important. So, yeah, I, I can't recommend it enough to go check it out. I'll put links in the description as well for the first two episodes. Okay, so all that said, uh, uh, thinking in terms of like different genres, I, I guess I, this is one, uh, I guess I want to both uh, bring out the merits of the various different genres, but also talk about other stuff in that regard and bring out the politics of it and... and a lot of what that can do and create and happen. And I've been talking a bit here and there about all these various things. 
but I, I want to bring that to light and not focusing on the academic criticism, but on these possible genres themselves and I guess my own criticism or my own evaluations and my own praise, really. This is, this is not going to be very negative because, I mean, it, of course you can have criticism of different things, but like, I mean, I've spoken about this before and multiple times, but the detective story, or detective novel, for example, it sometimes gets a reputation, especially in leftist critique, that like, oh, it's it's inherently conservative because it reinforces order. There's the disorder and the violence and the crime, and then comes a detective and puts everything back into place, so it's inherently reactionary, blah, blah, blah. And that's not always the case. Uh, I mean, I've, I've talked about this quite a few times, but the, it, it, of course, in certain cases, that is what happens. But that's not what the genre does. That's never what the genre did in its entirety. If you think in terms of the hard-boiled detective, it did something very different. There's no order there, and the detective doesn't restore anything. And you look at other examples and other types of stories, it, that happens less and less and less. And I've spoken about the Italian example, or examples with Massimo Carlotto and Andrea Camilleri and Leonardo Ciaccia. There's something different going on. And, you know, the, the Nordic Noir, they all do very different things. And I've spoken about the Swiss one with Friedrich Duchenmatt. And again, there's no order being established there. So what happens and the way we understand these various genres it is, it's very dependent on what exact novel or short story or anthology we're talking about. Because, I mean, that's, that's the thing about literature. It's never just one thing. And of course, you're going, to ha you're going to get these examples which are, oh, this is riddled with cliches. This is like a, an ideal type. This is just th that cliche, that example, riddled thing. But that's not all of it and that's never been all of it and to reduce uh, a genre to that is inherently well it's one gatekeeping in its traditional sense it's negative and it's unproductive you're doing nothing because like oh you're you're being dismissive and that's not helping anything or anyone so you know that i i don't like that kind of thing uh which i think is fair on my part so what I am, what I have been thinking about lately is like some of the merits and the possibilities that each genre can offer and the insights and the things. And I'm going to start with one which I have grown in familiarity over the years, uh, thanks to Horror Vanguard, who did their live show. Congrats. Uh, I'm sure it was amazing. One day I'll attend. One day. <laughs> I'm more digressive than usual. I'm sorry about that. So thanks to Horror Vanguard, but also to Romancing the Gothic, because I've read a lot of Gothic and quite a bit of horror. So, you know, it's it, it's a varied kind of thing. But what horror can do, uh, as an example, I think is very well exemplified by something like Gothic Marxism, where it looks into like the these horrors, the, these possibilities, and these, well, demonstrations, really. I think the Horror Vanguard is a great example of like, yep, Horror can do great stuff. And of course, they talk mostly about movies, but not always. Uh, there's some of the mini-zodes, mini-episodes, mini-pods. Especially like when they talked about the Mask of the Red Death at the start of the pandemic, which was fitting. And 
what happens that is horror has its in its particular genre formations and again all this is like this this type isn't like a real thing <laughs> there are elements of it but it's not as i was saying like you, you need to look at the specific type of writing that you're working on to add vast generalizations to a genre well it's a not helping anyone or anything is it so what i want to draw at i guess is that like when you look at these these various types of genres and of course you you look at the genre but you need to look at the specific work in order to draw out what you want or interpret or understand and in a sense that's why i i well i've put the point before i read it so you don't have to but of course i always encourage you to read it uh but the point stands it's important to read it of course, we can give some vague idea beforehand in terms of what criticism or what we know of it. But, like, you can't attribute stuff without the reading, <laughs> which is a sort of, I'm not going to say common, but it is a possible common sin in historical studies of literature and fiction. Because, well, you, you insert the novel into, like, oh, this historical period, this historical movement or literary movement. And that's it. That's all you need to do. And when you, well, you, when you read the thing, you're like, well, but it's doing other stuff. I mean, what a uh, classic example. And, and I've not read it, but I've, I've heard. I was talking to a friend about this early 20th century sci-fi or mid 20th century sci-fi rather. And you have uh, Heinlein's Starship Troopers, and you have the Infinite War, or. or yeah, something like that. Uh, the, the author's name escapes me. And if, the former is seen negatively because Heinlein was very pro-war, very militarist, all the bad stuff. And the other one was more critical of the Vietnam War and, and so on. But a, a friend of mine was telling me that he, he read both books and was like, well, I'm sure that in the subtleties these things can, can happen differently, but... Uh, it's not an automatic assignment of like, oh, this is pro and this is anti-war. Not really. <laughs> not quite, I'd say. Uh, or he'd say. And because what ends up happening is that uh, when you read the book, you come out with a different effect. And they're both very similar books and they do similar things. So it's, it's difficult to say that, uh, at least according to him, that Starship Troopers, from his first read, uh, admitting to that, but that it is pro-war. That that was that was difficult to say. It felt they were more similar than different as fiction, as literature. But that's one example of, of like how do you separate those things? And that notion of like oh because the author is that the book is that. That's again not automatic. That that's something to take great care of. Those things will pass through. But again, and I've spoken about this endlessly, you need to read the fucking book in order to attribute and do these kinds of judgments. You can't do that without reading because, I mean, this happens. Uh, <laughs> progressive authors can be progressive and write stuff that ends up being somewhat conservative and vice versa, which is hilarious and fascinating how those things happen. And I'm not saying that's the case, but to apply biography... To like, oh, this is what this piece of literature does. It's like, well, feels incomplete, you know. And the same with the historical context and, and or literary movement and so on. Th these things, 
you're not going to have perfect examples. I love how I was talk, supposed to talk about genre and I'm half repeating myself on the stuff that I talk about endlessly. But I suppose these are concerns I have. But horror, in the ways that it creates the fear, that it creates this concern, that it, and a lot of the time, that it elaborates on violence and, and interpreting violence in incredibly interesting and different ways. And the way that it deals with or that presents violence and, and bloodshed and vengeance and, and fear, it all is a way to play and engage with our reality at hand, whether it is in our contemporary world. Uh, mundane fiction is a term I've been I was seeing a bit because uh, I was reading Samuel Delaney and he used mundane fiction, which I found a fascinating term and <laughs> not read it anywhere else as a way to describe this realist contemporary fiction. Uh, I like that. I'm not sure I'm going to use it, but we'll see. But even whether we do that or creating other realities, when you're developing that kind of horror, you are effectively pushing certain questions, certain ideas to certain logical conclusions. I mean, we talked about <laughs> my work is not yet done with... Uh, Thomas Ligotti, which was fucking horrifying. Uh, I was able to sleep at night, fortunately, but holy shit. But it got these ideas of, like, a corporate reality and, and like, what is happening there, what are these dynamics of power and exploitation and oppression and control and the way these things sort of came together. And yet, what ended up happening in a lot of those in, in even in other of his stories was this oh if if you push this to this conclusion then what happens and that was the the, the final short story in that book and i don't remember but it is it, it's sort of this collage of memos and information and emails and just what happens I, which is the nightmare thing, I don't really remember. Uh, let me just give a quick check. But even in terms of, like, weird, uh, uh, and I think one of the things I wanted to talk about here is that genre is not a solid thing. It is... <laughs> it is a sort of collage, because, okay, that's horror, but it all, it's also quite a bit of cosmic horror as well. And it's got some weird sci-fi elements, especially in that latter one, or cyberpunk, if you will. So, genres are not immaculate, pure things. And it's much more interesting to fuse them together and play with them. And I think there you get the most interesting results. I mean, I've spoken quite a bit here and there about Discworld. And Discworld, sure, it's sort of fantasy. But it's, it plays a lot with, like, satire, and it is very postmodern in weird ways, and it's strange. But to get another example, and uh, uh, this one I did not, well, I spoke with the Horror of Anger, but, well, we've we spoken about Clive Barker, and Clive Barker does the horror thing, but it's also, uh, I was going to say Podbegone. Podbegone was a comedy as well, but... Mr. Begone is is a comedy. It, it's hilarious. 
it's also very bizarre and unsettling, but very fun. But another episode that I did with Kyle on the Atrocity Exhibition by J.G. Ballard, who is, well, I've been reading some stuff about, you know, New Wave sci-fi and, and Ballard is a name that comes up. And I, sure, uh, I mean, you can call the Atrocity Exhibition science fiction. And okay, but it's uh, it's a lot more than that or a lot sideways than that or a weird kind of sci-fi. The same way that, and of course, The Dispossessed is science fiction, but it's also utopian literature and utopian fiction and more than that. <laughs> it's what you have when you get genres and you start mixing some of their ideas. I mean, there is, to get another example, recently this idea that a lot of like fairy tale rewritings, and of course that's always been a thing, but recently I I've grown to know a lot of those or see that that is a thing that happens a lot in independent publishing but also traditional publishing one way or another and it is really cool <laughs> it's uh it's it's interesting but it's a part of that once you get a fairy tale you get these assumptions these kind of things but you invert it you make it sci-fi you make it as much or more horror than the original or you make it more fantasy, or you make it contemporary, or and so on and so on. What happens is, and I think writing when you, if you, especially if you're thinking in terms of like genre literature, genre fiction, and these kind of things, is when you start mixing and matching and getting these different things together, you can come out with some really fun results. I mean, I've spoken a bit about this before, but not very much. But I wrote a novella in 2020, which is not published, and I don't know if it will ever be. Maybe someday, uh, when I get to work on it again and start pitching it, which... Uh, pitching. Probably... Uh, I'm not going to talk about publishing. It's stressful. It's a lot of work. It, it sucks. It's really a ball ache, if unnecessary and important one, because getting your stuff, your fiction, out there is the final part, like... It's, it needs to be read. I, I think that's a, a, a natural position to, to defend, that uh, a work of literature is only complete, inverted commas, when it's being read. But anyway, like that's my personal gripes and the way I arrange my time and my priorities aside. <laughs> I'm here, ain't I? I'm doing the podcast. Sorry if it's taking so long. Um, <laughs> but what I did with that story, with that novella, is because the it, it was for submission and it was it had to be about witches in some way or another. So I was like, okay, witches, what the hell am I going to do with that? And I had an epiphany because I, I wasn't thinking about doing it, but I was like, then came the flash. I was like, okay, I think I can do that. So what I did was like a haunted house story in space, but it's a space station and there's witches and they're really cool. And then there's more stuff than that. But what I did is I, I got a traditional motif which is the the haunted house. I put it in space, added magical, mystical stuff, and then I started developing it. <laughs> of course, it has a sort of difference because the... Well, like, uh, well, I won't go into it very much here, but especially what I did is I sort of split it. So <laughs> one part is like a horror thriller narrative, and then it becomes like a, a weird kind of adventure thing. And, well, I say adventure. <laughs> but the way I'm thinking about 
writing fiction, and especially in terms of interpreting or theorizing or criticizing it even, is I think that when we're thinking in terms of these genres, they can only be like supporting structures or structures that help us for submissions or certain <laughs> th that kind of thing. So like, okay, I'm going to write a paper for, I'll write an abstract for this conference or anthology that is asking for text about this because you know very very pragmatic i suppose in a sense because while theor in theory and well not not in in the expression in theory but as part of a theory they can be helpful but only up to a point and i i think that the way we understand them and understand these ideas about genre is that there is a notion that they can be prescriptive so like, oh, in order to be this genre, you need to do X, Y, and Z. And of course that can apply, but that's not that simple, I think. I think genre in these terms is something more elusive than that. And because I work with sci-fi, I, I believe that, and I find it very difficult to define science fiction... And of course, there are definitions and so on and that kind of thing and speculative fiction, you know. But they're either very generic and very open, and in that sense, I think they're helpful. Or they're they're trying to draw it like, oh, this is science fiction at its best. This is what science fiction does. But it's I, I, I'm never quite comfortable when I'm reading sort of criticism and find this notion of, oh, this is more science fictional. As there is an ideal science fiction or something to get closer to. Maybe there is. Maybe it's a flaw of mine that I can't recognize that or that I'm too open or too lax in the way that I interpret it. I, I leave it open. And if you have any suggestions or criticism about that, and especially in regards to me talking about this, by all means, tell me. <laughs> tell me on Twitter or message me or whatever on Patreon. I don't know. Uh, but let me know. I'd, I'd be really interested to hear some counter notions about this and someone like in favor of that position more bluntly rather than more diffuse in whatever I'm reading because it, it always strikes me as weird because it, it gives the notion that there is an ideal form to achieve and I don't find that true because you find more interesting works and I speak from personal experience while not well in an academic sense in between and in between in this in-mixing of genres and genre expectations and, and all that other stuff so when you mix sci-fi and horror and the gothic or when you mix cosmic horror with a sort of contemporary british landscape or you get these the uh, you get utopia and you you turn it upside down and you start playing with it and you make it a, a sci-fi story or when you start mixing sci-fi and fantasy and making different expectations or different plays, or when you get fantasy but you throw fantasy expectations or stability out the window, or when you or when you are playing things for humor in these very serious narratives or these very serious expectations or even horror environments, what results you can achieve. Effectively, what I'm pushing for here is for a non-exclusivity of the way we understand judge and and or create slash write in genres because in between and in mixing all these things 
The results you get are a lot more fun, I think. Even going back to, to the Gothic, and I've spoken about this with Dr. Sam Hurst quite a few times, but, like, uh, you get these Gothic stories, and they're very theological, and I love them. <laughs> because, uh, on the one hand, you have a sort of theological defense and background on it, but you're doing it in a sense that is very in tune with like a gothic genre and playing with them or bringing those things together and that's so much fun in such an interesting way to to write theology it's, it's really weird i love it <laughs> um what else uh and, and thinking about it bringing other genres uh thinking about romance which is something that i've never read prior to 2020 and romancing the gothic but how much romance can play with certain ideas, big or small, of, well, uh, utopianism. And especially, like, this notion of queer utopias in these alternate realities where being queer is not an issue. Or these smaller communities where there is acceptance, as, you know, that there are communities in the real world where that can happen and where that does happen. But... To portray that as the character, the universe the characters have in the novel, and how to play with these different ideas. I mean, it doesn't happen exclusively in romance, but romance is one of the big examples where that happens. And even when you bring romance with other stuff like adventure or sci-fi or horror or fantasy, the way that these things brought together navigate and come together one and the other. Frankly, I I think I have a lot more fun when I'm studying and finding these things or reading these things that really do break expectations or further yet, that bring these different ideas about genres and oceans and like start f intermixing them, fusing them and creating new stuff. I think that's definitely uh, one of the fun ways of doing literature. Of course, like, and that happens purposefully but that also happens in non-purposeful sense, I think, like, because, as I was saying, like, genre is not a static thing. So when you are writing, of course, like, what I was doing with the novella I mentioned was doing something which was more explicitly sci-fi than, like, gothic. But it, it was about bringing those things together and, like, other ideas of cosmic horror and thrillers. So... What I, what I believe and what I've been trying to sort of elaborate on the ways we understand genre is that it's not, well, it's one, not an ecstatic thing because literature changes over time and expectations about genre change over time. Especially, uh, my example is sci-fi because it's what I study. But the way it changed over the 20th century, it continues to change. And especially if we think on terms after cyberpunk, in terms of like whole punk, solo punk, and so on. But further yet, what results we can have, and what if we allow ourselves the possibility to engage with particular works of literature, while also not constraining them to a single genre, and the possibilities that can come from there. If you think, if we think in terms of Gothic Marxism, how about applying Gothic Marxism to something that is not? at all gothic to something that is not at all horror can it be done and what results can we think about it and what happens 
when we are thinking about these different ideas of interpretation and, and looking at the world and actively engaging with these novels. So having it, well, having a Gothic Marxism approach, having, I, I use the term apply and it's not never really a good one because apply, it, it, it separates theory and practice. Uh, and that's never a good thing. That's not practice. And, but what happens when you find this confluence between, well, okay, I'm studying this particular like sci-fi novel or example and looking at another while also engaging with Gothic Marxism, like, wait, there's a similarity here, there's a confluence here, or this, these tools, these notions, these interpretations, and these ideas can help me understand a work for which, in theory, these tools were never designed or poignantly looking for them. And yet they function, they work. And I think that is one of the more interesting things about how do we engage with different works. And... Of course, I think there are always certain cares we need to take and engaging with the novel sincerely and taking very good care of work, not not distorting neither the novel or the theory, but finding the point of harmony for them. I believe that is the, the my favorite metaphor when thinking about these things together, thinking in terms of harmonization. And the results that can come from that are fascinating. I... Last semester, I, I had to do a, a, a paper for a, a class I was doing in terms of like the theory of the novel. I mentioned it quite a couple of times. And the paper I did was looking at some of the ways that, well, uh, especially Bakhtin and a bit of a bit of Northrop Fry, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, uh, as how the ways that they looked at literary criticism and certain understandings they had of well, fiction and the fictions that they looked at, how that could also be applied or engaged with when thinking about sci-fi, for example, and what results can come of that. Beyond just, oh, let, let's try and fuse these things together, or let's try using this instrument for this as like, you know, a product from a, uh, for, like choosing a product from a shelf is like, oh, let's use, let's get this theory or get this, this theory, but rather looking at their internal mechanisms really and find how there are points of convergence there how can they can work together and it was really difficult and, and strange in, in doing these things together to getting these theories that were never really designed or planned with science fiction in mind they had very different objects but they can absolutely work together and they have been done to, to be working together i mean the, the one of the first works in terms of like this science fiction criticism and creating legitimacy is from uh, from Darko Suvin, Metamorphoses of Science Fiction, History of a Literary Genre, if I'm not mistaken. And one of the things he does is something similar. He brings Northrop Fry into the conversation and like see how this also works for science fiction and, and so on. And the result is really fun. And it's like, oh, I did that. <laughs> or I tried to do something similar. Or not having read that text before. <laughs> I've been going on a few different tangents while thinking about genre and studying genre and interpreting genre. But my main point is they are not uh, ideal things. They mix, they change. And it's difficult to find common bases a lot of the time. It's like, oh, this is only this. 
or of course this may be like the primary one, the one in focus, but if we start think to thinking in terms of interpretation and what those things work when we bring them in tandem is, okay, yeah, okay, this is mostly sci-fi. But if we think this is also fantasy, what happens when we apply those fantasy conventions or our expectations into this and what results do we come out of it? And the results can be really interesting. Or like, okay, this is sci-fi, but it's also utopian. Is there one that's predominant over the other? Yes? No? What happens to either idea of, of both when we look at them at the novel? Or what does the novel say about both of them or different things? <laughs> at the end of the day, the, the result we get as scholars, as criti critics, and, well, as people reading books, is the notion that fiction is rarely ever one thing. Or, rather, never really one thing. It is always... Well, in terms of, like, good fiction, and of course that's arbitrary uh, to shit, but any work that we find interesting or that we're enjoying, it likely, <laughs> more often than not, is doing more than just being one single thing. It's multifaceted. Uh, to, to get an example that I talked about this, uh, we talk about this specifically, but Babel's Feast, uh, which I spoke with uh, Alessandra Pino about, it was... It's a simple story. It's short, really, but there is so much going on in terms of like a historical understanding, a theological approach, so much to think about in terms of food. So what is it? Can we define it? Not quite. And that's not a problem. I... I it's a problem in terms of marketing, absolutely, which sucks. Again, it, 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 it's a shame. <laughs> but it, it, what results come out of them are wonderful. And again, bringing Ballard, what the fuck is the atrocity exhibition? How do you place it? Anything? Oh, is it sci-fi? Eh? Is it postmodern? Eh? It's not really one thing or the other. It's, it's really, it's a weird fucking experience. Even Mystery Gone, which uh, we spoke about uh, in, uh, last Halloween, like, it's, sure, it's horror, kinda, mostly, is it? <laughs> I don't know, and frankly, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I guess what I want to say is that interpreting and looking at genre specifically, and what genre ideas, expectations, notions cliches or prescriptions offer are interesting to question them as well and to look at them in practice not in just in uh, an abstract theory scenario but like okay so these ideas what's happening in this novel for example it doesn't need to be an extreme example it can be a typical case but what is happening then can be really weird and really strange and to, to look at these categories, but to also look at how these categories are always bringing multiple things together, in terms of the way we understand them, can create some much more, well, um, better readings, better scholarship, and so on. Of course, we are a lot of the time limited by grants, time, <laughs> space, but it doesn't... It, it shouldn't exclude us from making these questions. I feel like I'm at a moment 
in my development as a scholar, as a human being, in terms of knowledge. But I was like, I'm asking a lot of different questions. And I feel like that's good. Of course, I have a few which I'm trying to answer with my masters in a particular sense. But I'm asking a lot of different questions because, well, it's one, it's the way we engage with the world in terms of curiosity, I believe. But it's also it's also a way to question prevailing or expected ideas or notions. It's like, yes, this novel is this. And this, given the, given the genre, this is how we look at this novel. But that, that should work both ways. The way the novel engages with the genre and sort of breaks it down. I mean, if you have... I'm not going to remember the author's name right now but I, I can write it down or put it later. But the what happens when you create a detective novel where the detective is actively corrupt? He's, what happens then? And the result is something different. It's like, yeah, it's playing with the detective novel, but it's creating something new or something different, if not necessarily new, or creating something weirder. And the whole thing about like absurd and fantastic and how those things are much harder to define I mean, sure, Kafka writes absurd stuff, or absurd or weird, but what... Of course, there are certain expectations that bring that to light, and in terms of genre and what that, how that fits in or creates something, but it's it always strikes me as particularly undefinable or difficult to define, and that's not a problem. I, I think that is a merit. Of course, it, it, it creates difficulties in terms of publishing, unfortunately, and that's that breaks my heart every single time I think and talk about it, but it's still important, I think. Like, I... Yeah, it's the practical and the ideal. The world we live in. Like, shit. <laughs> but, yeah, it's... I feel like in I feel like we should still think about the writing we want to accomplish in spite or against certain genre or marketing or publishing expectations that isn't always advisable or economically sound but if so much that i'm talking about hope and thinking about these efforts it's it's still important and maybe i won't at least in any near future get published uh, myself by any press or, or unless I, I do it myself with a very very small press but I can't let it stop me writing from the stuff that makes sense for me to write because that's the only way I write. <laughs> uh, frankly, I, I can't be dishonest about the writing I create and that is important to me with the way I engage writing fiction. Even if it doesn't feed, feed? Even if it doesn't fit into any decent or sensible boxes. <laughs> any sellable boxes, I should note. Uh... <laughs> Ah, oh, fuck. God, I hate capitalism. But, yeah. So, <laughs> my conclusions today at this weird episode. Sorry, again. I feel, again, I feel like it was very chaotic energy today. But my final points, really, are that... Genre are, genres are one way to engage with fiction. But they are also very limited. And they need to be examined themselves. And even if, when we use them, we need to use them in tandem. Because these things are always coming together. And usually bringing some baggage 
mo in, from multiple sides and the execution, the novel itself, is bringing different results or different ideas or they're bringing the same ideas. And how do we understand that then? Then what is happening if it's bringing these expectations together? Is it creating an interesting novel? Uh, is it subverting expectations? Is it being fun to read? Or is it being a slot? What is happening then? At the end of the day, this is another diatribe against the generic analysis. <laughs> and a, a simple answer to like, yes, this is that, this fits in this box, this helps us, re us interpret and analyze it. No, you need to read the fucking box or the fucking stories. Uh, that's, that's the only way to do any decent or positive criticism or engagement with literature, with fiction, anything really. So yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> I think that's where I'll, I'll wrap up. In order to interpret and engage with things, you need to bloody read them. Even if you don't like them, that's, that's not a problem. But you need to read them. And you need to engage with them in some level of sincerity in, with what they're trying to do. And then, then the criticism adventure begins, where you bring so many things together. And I feel like that is, the important and the fun thing is the, whatever instrumental, whatever tools, whatever ideas that you're using to examine them, are also being affected by the novel. It's not a one-way street. And that, and to acknowledge and engage with that positively is genuinely good scholarship and honestly, beautiful. So yeah, I, I like that. Uh, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Hopefully this was another good episode. Uh, a couple of, from, for the next couple of months, we should ba be back to our traditional format. I say traditional, but I, <laughs> uh, there was so many... We didn't do many collabs back with me and Bruno. So like I say, the traditional format, which is what I did last year <laughs> a lot. So uh, expect interviews, expect people, some familiar, some new, uh, all good fun, all good stuff and some really cool books, weird ones too. So be on the lookout for that. So yeah, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, if you, you if you want, you can follow me and talk to me on Twitter at leftpagepod or at frankgothic. I am on both. Uh, they're both me because I run both accounts. <laughs> but yeah, if again, I, I talked about a lot, a lot of different things in this episode. If you have any suggestions, any criticisms, any comments, complaints, uh, by all means, do let me know. I, I think this is one episode where I really want to hear you. If you have any ideas from what I was talking about or any criticism. Uh, and yeah, so do let me know on that. And if you can support me or you would like, there's also some free content on there on on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash left page where I do the reading corners where I talk about either either stuff other stuff I read that didn't make into, into an episode or some more, especially lately, academic reads and, and things that I'm engaging with for my research or the various subjects that I'm doing uh, this semester for my master's. Um, there's definitely one probably at the end of the semester where I'm going to talk about some weird or new, or, well, not new, but some different academic stuff, so be on the lookout for that as well. And there's the Writer's Desk, where I talk about all, a lot of the things that I have been talking about or other stuff, specifically from the point of view of writing. And my latest one was in terms of how do you think about telling stories in a long form or creating shared universes across multiple books or sagas and that ideas previous one I talked about the notion of orders to fantasy and, and science fiction and and fa fiction in general so there, there's a lot of stuff and especially thinking in terms of like the practical sense of writing 
Of course, that seeps in everywhere, but it's uh, that's more poignantly what I want to do there. And yeah, I think that's it for now. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. You all, especially the patrons, but everyone else who listens and downloads. Uh, you make me you make me happy, honestly, that, that you listen. And you make this continuously possible. You make this a project that every single time I think about it, I feel anew how this is a project worth doing and an important one. So thank you for everything. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. It, it makes to be able to do this project and with the response that I always get, um, it makes all the difference in the world. Thank you so, so much for making this a project that is both that's still important to me and that is genuinely important, I believe. So thanks again and till the next one. <laughs>